Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford FC. My name is Matt Messiano, and joining me once again are football journalist Tom Burdell and football analyst Jordan Weimer. And uh, guys, they did it. Three wins out of three in a week, nine points in the bag, and now level on points with Brentford. And as things stand, because at the time of recording, it's uh, 1-0 to Coventry, uh, it could be um, a very good weekend for Watford. Uh, Fingers crossed it stays that way. Um, But Jordan, they they didn't make it easy for themselves yesterday, did they? Particularly in the second half. And it looked to me as though they were a little bit on the tired side. Been a lot of football, isn't it? There's been much of a much of a similar side for the for the three games. There's, there's a couple of changes, and we'll get into that later on. But um, yeah, they started to look a bit fatigued, but, but they they went out there and they, they did enough. And I think once they did get ahead, the second, as you say, the second half maybe was a little bit a little bit tough for us. But we looked pretty comfortable for a lot large portions of that game. And I think overall, it's been a pretty impressive week. And yeah, three games and, and three really solid results. Tom, bit of a contrast between the first and second half performances. Yeah, it was the first half I thought was really, really good. You know, I don't think Derby really, that that disallowed goal aside, I don't think they really caused us any problems at all. And we looked, we looked in total control. We started the second half not as well. And then I think, to be honest with you, I sort of thought it coincided with the changes. We lost our way a little bit in that last 25 minutes, half an hour. And I think that was the first time in a little while we've had a, a nervy clinging on, wasn't it? Um, mm. But you know, there's no bad thing to come through that. You can't blitz everybody aside or, you know, have games like Preston where they offered next to nothing. So, yeah, job done and uh, a few days respite now, thankfully, before the Blackburn game. It was another Giao Pedro goal. And although he didn't know too much about it, he, uh, he you know, he put it in. And, you know, he's, he's a player in form at the minute. And, and sometimes... Sometimes when you're scoring goals, you, you can't stop scoring goals. They just they just keep going. It's almost the opposite of, of the Andre Gray effect at the minute. And uh, Jao Pedro, uh, you know, managed to poke it in with his back heel, and um, he's he's an Albert top scorer at the minute with eight. Yeah, he deserves it. He's done he's done really well. And I think, as you say, he didn't really know too much about the actual goal, but he was in the right place, wasn't he? He's he's got to that position and. He's got in a situation where it gives him the opportunity to score, even if it uh, comes off him un- unknown to him. So yeah, I mean that was that that period of the game, and also I think you know in the build up to the goal, Ismail Asar and Kika Firmino did some really good play from the fullback, and then really good burst from Ismail Asar to kind of get that extra step on Buchanan, and yeah, it made a huge difference. So it just shows you what what can happen when you start to get a little bit of cohesion and, and players start getting in the right positions. I think he's really enjoying that role in in that three as well, isn't he, Tom? Yeah, he is. He looks really, really comfortable there and a lot more comfortable, I think, than he looked in the early weeks of the season when he was part of that too. Um, with Saar, he's, as we discussed before, he's a lot stronger. People give him credit for. He's comfortable running at people. He's got a you know nice instinct as well, kind of striking instinct, which he obviously you know, displayed in the goal that kind of went in off him yesterday. Um, and, and and generally, the, the kind of the mobility that he offers is such a stark contrast to what we've had in the past. It's It's been really enjoyable and that has probably been the most enjoyable part. You know, I think everybody wants obviously to win every game, but we're all adults. We all accept that we're not going to, if so, the next best thing is is at least playing well and playing with intent and a, an appealing style of football. And, and we've been able to do that. So it's 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 been very, very encouraging. 
We've done a good job of accommodating for him as well. I think we've, we've put him in a situation to succeed. I think he's improved uh, within himself. I think he's definitely got a lot better in a lot of areas playing that that central role. Um, but I think also too, we've done a good job and Shishko deserves credit for putting him in that position to succeed. We've done well getting support around him and last night we tried to give him a little bit of extra support with midfield and I think it's worked really well and he's, he's a player that's worth not necessarily building around but incorporating heavily into everything you do in that final third. That's right. And then just a few moments later after that, Jao Pedro, uh, goal, not goal, uh, Will Hughes uh, capped off what I thought was a man of the match performance from him with a with a you know a nice little placed left footer. It, all, it was well worked actually that Watford managed to retain the possession and get it back to him and and, and then um, you know he, he struck it home and um, yeah, Will Hughes was on fire yesterday. Yeah, he was brilliant, wasn't he? I think we've all enjoyed him being back in in the centre midfield where he belongs, and arguably that was his best performance in a string of good performances yesterday. I think, wasn't it? He was, you know, I thought he was so good in terms of, and I tweeted this in the first half, just disrupting moves and breaking up moves and so on. You know, every time they looked like they might just be about to build something, he got a, you know, got a toe in the way or, or something, or intercepted loose pass. He won seven of ten defensive duels, which was more than any other Watford player, and it uh, it really was evident during the. During during the match as well. He he does so much more of that work than I think people outside of, you know, Watford and outside of Vicarage Road maybe appreciate. Um, but equally, he has got that quality on the ball that we've we've missed for large parts of this season too, hasn't he? And the the goal, you know, the composure. He's not someone that scores loads of goals, so you know, you you wouldn't have you wouldn't have blamed him necessarily if he'd have snatched at that a little bit when it when it comes back to him. But you know, the composure to to work it onto his favoured foot and, and really just pick out the corner like that. It was it was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? To say, Matt rightly caps an excellent performance. Great bit of play from Chalaber as well in the build up to that. Yeah. Mm. In regards to Will Hughes, he kind of played that deeper role, and I thought that was probably in some ways a little bit reminiscent of uh, Etienne Capu performance and how he kind of sat deep and was effective breaking up play but he also mm. was able to to play that ball forwards and he you know at them angled long balls and and able just to push that ball into midfield um but part of what gave him that room to do that which was quite interesting was how he how he pushed Tom Cleverley and Nathaniel Chalaber forward into more advanced areas so it kind of created almost a flat four of Semmer um Semmer Cleverley Chalabert and Saar, it kind of created that four in that midfield and made it really difficult for Derby to kind of sit back and keep their shape. Um, we were able to pull them around quite nicely and it gave Pedro that room to operate in too. Um, so we saw them we saw them kind of do pretty well in that in that area and I think that kind of helped Chalabert too. He looked like he had a much better game last night. He was a little bit more free in the passing and it kind of bounced back quite nicely from what was a little bit of a shaky game the previous one. Um, I thought that was a big improvement. So that that kind of helped us a little bit. Um, I also thought it was interesting too that in that, in doing so, um, with Will Hughes a little bit deeper, we saw quite a few times we were trying to find space for Kiko Femenia and we let Femenia bomb on pretty high actually um, and Will Hughes would just drop out into that into that right back position. And it's not that's not an uncommon thing to see in, in, in some teams where you have a lot of possession, you're looking to be aggressive, your wing backs, you see them centre midfielders kind of drift into those fullback positions, they kind of can play the ball from there. They, it's a good place for them to come and pick up possession. And it allows Kiko a lot of room to go forward. And when you've got a delivery and the attacking threat you have of him, it's worth doing. It allows uh, it allows Saar to drift in a little bit more narrow. And it also creates opportunities like we saw against uh, in, in the first goal, where Saar's able to come narrow and, and Kiko Firmino can have that ball and push it push it down the line and they're good enough players that you can exploit teams doing so so I'm liking that we're seeing from Shishko a little bit of altering in the way we're playing uh, I think we've seen some progression in, in terms of 
in terms of how we're dealing with teams that are going to sit back a little bit and try and try and make it hard for us to play with seeing Shishko make some changes and look for ways to break teams down. So I think that's really encouraging. Um, and yeah, I think Will Hughes was a, a big part of that. And I think that's, I seen, I had a few a few comments and a few questions from from people on Twitter asking about how or why uh, Will Hughes is playing so deep when he's one of our more attacking-minded players or he's one of our more effective players and obviously he scored the goal. But I think the, the key is no one else can really do that in the team. He can sit back, he can dictate tempo, but he's also very capable of winning the ball back. So I thought those two little changes there made a real difference to how we kind of played that team that's going to sit back and it's something we should keep an eye on for the rest of the season because I think it's going to be a good good exploit. Something that you put on your Twitter, which um, uh, you said that we're, you said it's interesting to see how high we're pushing two of our midfield three up at times. Yeah, I mean that's the stretching the play. That's I think something we saw we saw in the previous games. I mean, obviously worked okay against Bristol because we were able to play in that midfield three and find space and look for interchanging passes and, and create opportunities. But I think sometimes when the when the back four. Uh, a midfield four can sit as deep and and be as compact as as derbies have. Or if you're if you're playing too deep, you're not really pulling anyone around. You have to get players forward. And I think by being aggressive and and pinning them them players back. If you think about it, if you've got Chalaber and, and Cleverly pushing forward, you've got your wingers pushing forward and maybe even Kiko Femenia at times, you think about how many forward options Hughes has at that point. And if you trust Hughes on the ball, if you trust him to be accurate, and you and you think he can do that then it gives him loads of room to operate in and it means Derby have to make a decision they have to either close him down and, and open up space and you know we've taken the gamble that Will Hughes is good enough to get the ball into them areas and, and he has been um, so it's a good way of, of it's a good way of reacting to how the opposition are playing and being proactive about it more than reacting sorry being proactive and looking for ways to disrupt their game and um, we've seen us try and do that in different ways you know, we've seen try and do it with cleverly pressing and making it difficult for them to build up but when we're in possession it's how do we break them down because I think we saw maybe against Coventry I think that was kind of the first situation where we've, we've been kind of trying to play a new system and trying to get things going a little bit of a different way where we didn't really have the didn't really have the, the the room to operate in the manoeuvre. And then once we kind of switch things up a little bit and, and play a little bit more vertically and get them angles, and it gives us that opportunity to press on and be aggressive. And that's what we need to do if we're going to win games. I was going to say, I didn't write that much down last night when I was watching that I thought, oh, that's really noticeable. Apart from I put down how good Hughes was, that Chalabar was very good as well. A little bit about Backman... And that was, yeah, that was yeah. really it. And that we, we attacked a lot down the right, but we always do because Adam Messina's not as good going forward as um, Kiko is, is he, at the end of the day? Does that mean that um, it's very easy to work out what it is we're going to try and do for opposition teams? It is, but then there's also... Yeah, it, sometimes, okay, the closest I can compare it to is, I'd use the NFL as, as an example for an analogy here, American football. Sometimes, you, you're, I mean, pretty much every time your best receiver is going to get marked by their best cornerback. That's just how it happens. But you, that, that, that receiver is still going to get the ball thrown at him because that team is going to trust that that receiver is better than, you, that, than your cornerback. And that's the kind of situation we see in this, in this team. You've got a right winger that you feel confident on, even if they're trying to nullify him by doubling up or putting pressure on him in different ways. We're confident that with that right-hand side, it's going to be better than your left. And I think even if it is somewhat predictable, if, if you keep working with it and you feel you're good enough, then it can be it can be enough to kind of get that production from that side. And, and we saw that in the first goal. Derby are going to be aware that we're going to be pushing from that side and they're going to try and do things to, to mitigate the, the threat. But ultimately, you can't do anything against that pace from Sar and that burst and it, starts, it creates a goal. 
Ken Sem is pretty decent on the other side, though, but I suppose it's not Ismaili Asai, is he? But... I thought it was one of his quieter games yesterday. I don't know what you guys thought. I just thought he was yeah. the one that ran out of steam a little bit. And if I was I, the reason I tweeted about Sir Alta being dropped, apart from anything that I thought, you know, if you're going to drop one centre half, it wouldn't have been him. But also just resting centre halves, like, really? Um, you know, the midfield and, you know, nine players have started all three of those games, eight of them, if you say outfield players only. Um, I kind of thought that. You know, after that Bristol City win, I think we all said, didn't we, at some point, oh, Dini or Gray will 100% come in for one of these games, 100%. Obviously, injuries taken Dini out of the equation. But, you know, the other guys, apart from being substituted, nine of them have started every one of those three games in, in six days. And I just thought Ken Semmer's influence yesterday had, had waned a little bit and it would have been the perfect opportunity to see Zinkenog because it feels like him and Dan Gosling are the next kind of two cabs off the rank almost, doesn't it, in terms of yeah. pushing for a, for a start. And um, Gosling yesterday, maybe not his best game, but I think over the, the the three little cameos we've seen, you know, he is an important, he can be an important player for us. I think with the dropping of, of Serie A and stuff too, I know, I know a couple of physios that work in, in football and they really, they really take the, they really take the information and feedback I get from their, in-game performance and, and the feedback they get from the the GPS packs they wear and also in training and they, they do take that very seriously and it, it does flag, it does give them decent indicators of when a player needs to rest. Even if the player feels good, uh, if he's injured, if he feels fit, you know they, they test this. They test the muscle fatigue, and they're testing you know where they're at every every single day. And sometimes it is preventative, and it might make a difference. And it might be frustrating you have a player dropped, but in the long run, it might mean he's available for more of the season. So, it, I, I think it's probably it's not so much down to the coach thinking, oh, he's played a few games and needs a rest. I think they're basing it off pretty pretty solid information, and they're kind of taking an educated gamble with. Uh, with dropping him. So I think we have to kind of keep that in the back of our mind. We see these sort of changes and I don't think any coach really wants to change the centre-backs around, especially when they've been playing as well as they have been. Um, so yeah, if it, get, if it means he's available for the rest of the season, then I'm all for it. Um, Kazim Richards thought he had got one back, uh, but it was ruled out for a foul. A foul that, to be honest, I struggled to see, to be honest. I, I, think, I think we got away with one there, Jordan. Yeah, no, I think it was, I think it was very fortunate in the end. Um, I think that's yeah. I think that's probably that was back on his biggest struggle last night. I think actually, to be fair to him, after that, I thought he did a decent job. The next couple of corners, I believe, he came out and claimed the cross quite well. He, he seemed to settle down pretty well after that. But yeah, that was a bit of an issue um, early on, especially with with Derby at Slam. We kind of touched on before um, before the game. Their, their delivery for set pieces is very good, and they uh, they're a threat from them. So that was kind of their biggest the biggest threat throughout the game and fortunately we got away with that one because we kind of didn't deserve to in, in a way yeah let's talk about that a bit more because Daniel Backman's been pretty consistent since his coming but that was kind of a moment of worry for, for for many fans watching because it felt as though he was struggling to deal with crosses and corners and set pieces for the majority of of, of the game actually and that was kind of the first real showing that we that we'd had from that when when that was whipped in and it wasn't just him of course the defense struggled as well and ultimately Watford ended up um you know conceding an own goal you know being not able to to defend those crosses what what um what do you think it is with with um with Watford and, and being able to defend those kind of uh, you know set plays and, and and crosses and um how do they try and you know combat that 
I mean, in fairness, I think it's something I, I talked about as well last week. I think in previous to this game last night, I think we've gone, gone a little bit under the radar on how much we've improved in defending set pieces and balls into the box. And I think a, a large part of that has been down to uh, Serialta in, in defence. I thought he was a big miss, not having that aerial presence. Um, and I also think Backwin's been, whilst I think it's fair to say he's not been the most confident when he's coming to claim some of his crosses I think he's just been a sturdy figure in goal and he, he's someone that you feel quite quite comfortable with the ball comes kind of maybe into that six yard box perhaps he hasn't been quite as aggressive or as consistent when he, when he comes out a little bit further um, but no I think I think that back four has been pretty solid and we've done a good job of dealing with them them crosses and them, them corners set pieces I think last night was a combination of uh, missing Serialta and also some really good delivery from Derby um, I, I'm not necessarily overly concerned about that in general I think we've done a good job of kind of improving that I mean over the years it's been a real real issue for us I think set pieces and corners have been pretty disastrous defensively over a, over a numerous managers in, in the Premier League so I think we've made some steps forward it's just uh, I think it was a mixture of them, them those two factors last night Sibialta was a big miss like like you say Tom do you think it was just a case that he's played a lot of football recently? I presume so yeah I, I tweeted when the team news came out, I was surprised that he was the one that was dropped and at least two people messaged me saying dropped or rested. I get the impression that it was probably a, a case of, of resting. It was just my cynical language that uh, <laughs> pricked, pricked some ears. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, a, the, you're either drops or you're, you're in the team is one or the other, whatever the intentions are. Um, but yes, you have to assume so. Cause I thought he's been, I thought he's been very good and, there were a couple of moments against Preston where he looked a, a touch uncomfortable when Chad Evans was running at him, but that that's really been that's, that's been it. Um, that said, I'm not sure how many times I meant to check this out, so I'm annoyed at myself. I, I'm not sure how many times uh, Trusty Kong and Cathcart have started together this season, but I thought they looked. Uh, feel free to disagree with me. I thought, by and large, they looked pretty comfortable together. Yeah, I think they looked yeah. comfortable. I think it's just Sirianna was. He's been so dominant in recent weeks. It feels. It, it, it's always going to be difficult to leave him out, isn't it? I know, obviously, as you say, if it's a fitness issue, you've got no choice. But yeah, I think, I think they're two they're two steady centre backs, aren't they? I think maybe Cathcart's just that well rounded, calm, makes good decisions. Uh, he had a couple of couple of shaky moments throughout the game, but I mean, look, he hasn't played much football in the last few weeks or a few months, so it wasn't too surprising. But on, on the whole, I think they were, they were pretty good together. What did you think of the of the of the crossing and and, and corner issue, Tom? Am I just um? Am I just being a bit too uh, worried here? Is it is it not really a, an issue? No, I think it is. I can't tell you the exact numbers, but certainly as as Jordan identifies, over the last few seasons that has been an issue, and we've been one of the worst teams for conceding from set pieces uh, from set piece situations. I can't off the top of my head think of it being too much of an issue this season. But they said on commentary on Sky and Jordan, I don't know if you're watching on Sky or something else, whether you've got this, but they said that Shay Given has been sort of put in charge of their set pieces and they've yeah. been quite sort of innovative, haven't they? And I don't know if they were innovative so much as the very wicked kind of whipped flat at times deliveries into the near post, weren't they? And there was a, you know, a clear, I don't know if I've ever seen so many corners whipped that much with that much kind of velocity um, and you know it meant that it was only going to take a slight touch to ultimately you know get it's just a case of redirecting it slightly wouldn't it to to to, to nod it past Backman or touch it past Backman and you know they 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 certainly gave us little time to think in those situations and, and ensured that we were switched on do I think other teams are going to kind of take that as a, a a point of weakness for us possibly not but 
you know, we it's definitely something uh, as a, a whole for Backman, his uh, kind of commanding, his kind of command and, and, and an aerial um, presence is, is something that probably will come with experience, but needs addressing more than anything else. I think, I think teams that are watching that game will probably be making more of a note of how good Derby are at the set pieces rather than how bad we are at defending them. I think yeah. it was, I think it was um, as you said, you know, they had some preparation beforehand and we looked a little bit at set pieces coming into this game and I think you can see that Derby have a few similar routines they run through. They like to bunch up that three or four at the back post and kind of make that run in and just, I mean, if you're putting the ball in at that velocity, as you say, you don't have to get much on it and if you're kind of running at speed and getting into them areas and making it hard for defenders, then anything can happen. So, I think it's effective for them and it's, they'll, they'll put a lot of teams under pressure um, in those situations for the rest of the season, I'm sure. Having said that uh, Daniel Backman maybe didn't have his best game, he probably pulled out one of his best saves that I've seen him make. It was it was a weird one, wasn't it? It was one of those where you, sometimes you, you see this when you were playing, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the park, like uh, on a Sunday when someone would, would whip the ball in from the corner and it would, they would manage to bend it all the way towards the goal. You don't see it that often, you know, in, in these days in, in like professional football, but um, that I suppose, it, you know, it gets dealt with before, before it gets towards the goal, but it was whipping in and it was going to go all the way in, wasn't it, from the corner? But uh, Backman flew himself over I managed to get two hands on it. And, um, you know, the first time watching it, everyone thought, oh, did I did I hit the post or something? But it was actually Pacman flying over there, got some good hands to it. And, and, and you know, you, you know, not many goalkeepers would have been able to, to, have, to have made that save. So it was very, it was, that was a, a good moment for him and um, <laughs> yeah, from a very interesting situation. I think that's probably what he needed after those kind of shaky couple of moments in the first half, wasn't it? Something to... You know, really go after. You know, boost the confidence, boost the ego a bit, and say, "Yeah, I've done, I've done well there." And it's funny how the, the it kind of changes the perception around his performance, doesn't it? Because when that came in and nearly went in, I thought, "Oh, did Batman screw up there or what?" But then when you actually see it in slow, slow down, it's as you say, it's an excellent piece of uh, kind of reaction save. And you know, I think he comes out and we just say, "Oh, we just had one or two jitters and it was fine." Whereas. Uh, if that was on him, then he go. Oh, is that the first time he's looked a bit looked a bit iffy? So yeah, I, I, I don't I don't feel concerned uh, of that game, and and they're still not putting a time frame on Ben Foster, are they? Him and Cavasali are still you know working towards full fitness kind of thing. So you know it could it could be a little while yet. Mm. And in terms of injuries, we have got to see a bit more clarity about Troy Deeney, and it, it looks like he's going to be out for a bit longer than we initially thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. It's kind of come a little bit out of nowhere. I didn't really think he he looked too too hurt in that in that Coventry game, uh, which I believe is where he got injured. Um, but yeah, it's it's an, it's an Achilles injury, which is not great um, for a veteran player. They're very difficult ones to come back from. It sounds like it's a partial tear, mm. so maybe maybe he's got a little bit of leeway there. It'd be a few weeks, but it's definitely not something you want to rush back from. Um, and also as well, it's not something you want to. It's really not something you want to be treating. For pain and just trying to play through because it could be if Troy Dini gets a tear at his at his age that could be a career ender if he's not careful so yeah I think they've got to be if they want to kind of look at longevity there they've got to be very careful um, and really take their time with that one I spoke with uh, a Twitter account called Injury Mechanisms uh, which is good good to check out if you're interested but he covers all sports injuries and he kind of gives his own own opinions and, and diagnosing what the issue is and talks about recovery and I had a chat with him and he, he seems to think you know similar thing it's a, it's a difficult one to come back from and hopefully if, if they if they go through the right process take the right steps and, and get the right amount of time you should be able to come back from it but it looks like it's going to be an extended period in that in that front three for uh mm. for pedro for, for now 
We had something similar last season, didn't we? Second game of the season was Everton, and he, uh, you know, they said he'd be out for a few weeks after undergoing minor surgery. Then, and he didn't, he didn't make another appearance until the end of November. So, yeah. I mean, this does happen a lot at Watford, and a friend of mine, we used to joke that it was the the Marco Cesarini uh, physio experience that you'd go in for something minor and come out months later <laughs> certainly in that first 2012-2013 season we seem to have a lot of muscle imbalances and things that rule people out for ages didn't we um, this is also this is also older players playing through injury getting cortisone injections yeah. it's just it just doesn't you just you can't get through that many games you just physically no, can't that's it and it's, it's masking the problem isn't it it's, even last season I remember Nigel Pearson saying of Deeney's knee injury at that point he said you know it's something he's probably going to have to manage for the rest of his career and you know I, I might be wrong so I hope I'm not uh, I'm not doing him a disservice but has he had something to do with his Achilles before um, that's kept him out for a little bit so I may that may be a completely imagined memory but you, it's just the wear and tear of as you say he's, he's 32 now he's by no means old but he's at a point of his career where he's he's got to look after himself to maximise you know the football that he's got left so you can't mm. rush him back and you, you wouldn't blame him for taking extra time and, and, and every precaution to get it right I know I know as well Will Hughes did a similar thing last season too didn't he he played through injuries for the last few games and that kind of caused him to miss the beginning exactly. of, of this season in some respects of you know, to have some surgery in, in the pre-season and yeah, it has its it has its uh, effects down the road, especially when you're an older player. I mean, Troy's been pretty good at injury record. He's he's not had too many serious ones, no. but I mean, they start to pile up, and your recovery is naturally going to decline as you get older. It's not going to be as easy to kind of come back from those things, especially when you're worsening the injury by playing through it. Um, as you say, them cortisone injections they mask the problem, but not just that they kind of also can get make it a lot worse over time. So he's got to be smart with his body now, um, and he's got to look at how he can kind of increase that longevity and increase it, prolong his career. What was up with Kika's socks, by the way? It's, it's, it's to relieve pressure. On, it's... it's to relieve pressure on the cards. Yeah. It's, oh, it's intentional, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I just to... thought, I didn't know yeah, if yeah. it was that the socks were shit in quality, but this, <laughs> you know, this has been across several uh, providers now, or if he purposely got small ones and that, that was just a side effect or what. Oh, I did. Uh, and then it. my knit, right. And then my new theory was. Does he just wear the same socks every week, and then more and more holes appear? It's called it's I called sh- Swiss cheese socks. I, I don't. I'm not sure. It, it's very debatable whether it actually does anything. I think it's almost <laughs> a fashion thing at this point. But it is. I, the idea of it is to relieve pressure on the uh, on the calf. I mean, you can see he's he's got KT tape down the back of his hamstrings as well. So he's kind of all. Yeah, what does that actually do? I see loads mm. of players, and they put like on their neck and start like yeah. sort of the shoulders yeah. up to the neck. But yeah, back of the back of the, the hamstrings it and whatever. Technically, is meant to like again relieve pressure on the muscles and and kind of it's to kind of like contort the skin above the muscles, kind of ease pressure on it. But again, it's kind of like chiropractic. Isn't the size behind it is a little bit debatable and the percentage of difference it makes is also can be negligible depending where it is too. Um, Marginal gains. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a professional athlete, I think also too, so many of them athletes, it's all about psychological impact as well. If you feel like you're less likely to get injured, you might actually be less likely to get injured. There is actually a lot to suggest that's true. But yeah, the socks, they look ridiculous, but... Yeah. They look ridiculous, don't they? Swiss cheese socks. A joke club. Mm, interesting. I never Swiss knew cheese socks. It was by design. I literally just thought it was because he had massive calves and tiny socks <laughs> and they just tore every single week. If that oh, if players did that, Troy Dean would have holes all over his shirt trying to show how jacked he is. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I was uh, I was interested to see that uh, the club made a statement um, that Troydini was out uh, because of injury rather than because he'd been dropped. Yeah, I think it was. I think they're trying to avoid that speculation, aren't they? They know it's they, the, the kind of the managing of Troy Deeney has been a little bit from the media side of things has been a little bit strange from us, hasn't it? This this entire season, really. So yeah. I feel like they they've because they started saying things because they started commenting on it publicly. They kind of have to continue to do so now for a while. Mm. Another striker that uh, is out, and that's because he's been loaned out, is Sam Dalby. 21 years of age, he's gone to Stockport County in the National League, which we've uh, found out recently he is going to be continuing uh, the rest of the season, or at least part of it is. The National League Premier is going to be continuing, so that's uh, the likes of Boreham Woods and uh, Wildstone. Um, but um, the divisions below National League, North and South, they are having their seasons finished, and that's going to be ending up with a null and void, which is very disappointing for the likes of Snowburn City, who were um, you know, up towards the top of that they division. Season, and, and, they? Yeah, they were potentially going to Look to get promoted this season. Um, Hamill Hempstead were probably quite a far away from the playoffs, but um, I don't think they're in danger of relegation. So they could have maybe squeaked into them. So unfortunately for those two clubs, there's going to be no more football this season. Um, but yeah, Sam Dalby has gone on loan to Stockport County, something that he probably needs to do, really, if he's not going to feature for the for the first team. Yeah, you've got to get yeah, his players on loan, haven't you? Yeah, he's at, he's at an age where um, he's, you know, he's 21. He's probably kind of gained as much as he's ever going to gain from playing under 23 football, especially when you consider that, you know, he'd, he'd played kind of, I think about 20 games for, for Leighton Orient before he came. I must admit, I don't know the breakdown of yeah. sort of stub and start, but, you know, kind of about 20 games for Leighton Orient before he came here and was at Leeds as well. So, you know, he's not a complete novice in that sense, I suppose. Um, you know, he's had a couple of other loans, I think at least one anyway with Morecambe. So yeah, if they you know if they have the hopes for him that they they seemingly did when they signed him, then I think going and getting some some football between now and the end of the season will be useful. I hope it certainly works out for him anyway, because quite often we do seem to send these players out and they don't actually play a vast amount. So fingers crossed and and, and good luck to him. He's he's kind of a target man, isn't he, Sam Dalby? And um, he, I guess the way that Watford are playing currently is there's not really a place for him at the minute. I just think the standards just such a vast, is such a vast gap between standards too. Um, it's a big risk to throw him in there, isn't it? And I think just getting him football is the most important thing. I, I'm not sure. Is, was I right in thinking it was a one-year contract he signed on? Am I am I wrong on that? Uh, for us or for Stockport, he signed a one-month one-month contract. For us, I thought he only had a year left in his contract. Sorry, oh, I might right. be wrong. Two um, years, two years with an option. It's an option, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we, I mean, look, if we want to develop him and getting him playing football is the most important thing. We don't want him sat in under twenty threes. We want him out there and, and being and you know involved in competitive matches and actually having a a good opportunity to see what he's what he's at where he's at. Sorry, and uh, give him that opportunity to progress a little bit. And if he's going to go out and play football, then that's the way to do it. Good stuff. Uh, okay, Blackburn up next uh, in the reverse fixture. Watford ran out 3-1 winners, but uh, remember Blackburn, or at least I do remember Blackburn being really attacking in that game. And and with Adam Armstrong, who's already got 19 goals, I think he's the second highest scorer in the in the division. He's, you know, certainly a handful and, and Blackburn are going to be no easy, no easy team to beat. No, they've been struggling recently as as of late, though. They've, they've not been quite looking quite themselves. And I know they lost to Barnsley, who are doing really well at the moment um, on Wednesday. But they've they've kind of regressed a little bit, I'd say, since we last played them. Um, they've still got that attacking threat. Obviously, Adam Armstrong's a, a great, great striker in this league. And he's someone you've got to be aware of. But I think they've they've kind of locked lost a little bit of that 
that threat as a, as an overall team that they had previously and they're starting to look like there's a little bit of drop in confidence there so it'd be interesting to see how they bounce back from the defeat but on paper you'd be quite concerned but I think based on recent form you'd, you'd feel like there's an opportunity there for us Tom? Yeah, lost lost five of the last ten haven't they three in a row obviously we'll see how they uh, they get on today but yeah they're um I think I think they're a decent side and you know they've got some really quite decent uh players there you know but he hasn't played a vast amount this season. I've always thought Bradley Dack is a very good player. Obviously, as you mentioned, Adam Armstrong up front. Uh, Sam Gallagher, Bren, Ben Brereton, decent players. And they signed, you know, they signed a few on loan, didn't they, in, in January. Taylor Harwood Bellis from Man City, who's meant to be very well liked up there. And Jared Branthwaite from Everton, who I think we were in for at one point when he was at Carlisle. If we I, were, yeah. If not, yeah if well, and at Everton, we were interested in a loan, apparently. But. Ah, there you go, there you go. So, doubly. And then, obviously, they've got Harvey Elliott, who's been sort of earning rave reviews there this season on loan from Liverpool hasn't he so you know I think I think they're a, they're a decent side I think I, from what I gather they have played 4-3-3 most of the season but switched to a 4-2-3-1 in, in the last couple uh, you know score a lot of goals second most for goals scored this season fifth best XG second most shots attempted you know I think that's going to be a, a, a tough uh, a, a tough afternoon certainly Okay, good stuff. My thanks to Tom and Jordan for joining me once again. You can find those guys on Twitter at Jordan Weimer and at TB Burdell. And also you can follow me as well at Messi Messiano. And why not follow the show at Watford Pod? We'll be back again after the Blackburn game. So until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Just one little score check. Oh, yep, Coventry have scored a second. Another penalty. They're beating Brentford two goals to nil. Hopefully that carries on and it can be an even better weekend for Watford. Did see as well. It's not necessarily... A, I don't want to... No one wants to celebrate this situation, but I saw apparently Ivan Tony's up, up to eight weeks now. Oh, Ooh. that's disappointing. And also at the same time, get in. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he comes back fit and is able to start the second season in the championship next year. <laughs> <laughs> sorry Ivan and sorry Brentford fans although there, there won't be many Brentford fans listening to this will there but uh, anyway we'll be back again after that Blackburn game so until then it's goodbye from Jordan it's goodbye from Tom and it's goodbye from me goodbye goodbye